With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is with me. Hello. We're going to be talking about bullpen woes, hurt players, new players. But first, Eric, I know you want to start, as we have been the last few weeks, with the Cody Bellinger pace update. Yeah, so you'll note, uh, well, I'll just get right out to it. Uh, He's still on pace for, you know, um, not a, it would be a Dodger record season, but in a very ridiculous season but uh not quite superhuman levels uh, as he has been but 63 home runs and 171 rbis as of monday morning um but yeah there, there there's a reason that those numbers are a little bit uh lower than they were and uh, we'll get into it i'm sure yeah because the rate the rate stats actually haven't changed all that much yeah he's he's been like pretty consistent like the whole year like like we i do like in my weekend reviews on the site, I have like a batter of the week and he's won every week except for the first week um, where he did at least. And I know those first four days, like we even argued about it on the podcast. Uh, I had him winning. I just like, right. He, he had, he had every right to win, but Jock Peterson was just a hair better in my opinion, but they uh-huh. were like, it's like one, a one B type thing. But this past week, Bellinger was, um, he was only five for 16 with a double. So, he his 764 OPS was like 
uh, half of his like season total <laughs> almost. So, you know, not quite, but um, so yeah, he kind of slept a little bit, but then also he, he didn't, he got hurt um, Friday night and he didn't, he only had one at bat like over the weekend. Uh, so he uh, it's funny or not funny, but like, you know, natural first baseman coming up, he's played some outfield obviously, but the concern always is with him going to the outfield is, well, he's, he's more likely to get hurt in the outfield. And he, we had that a couple of years ago in Detroit where he, he like tweaked his ankle trying to make a catch, but it's just like, you can't prevent baseball players from injuring themselves by like, you know, what are you going to do? Like wrap them in bubble wrap or something. Um, you just kind of got to play it. If they could play it, play it position, they could play it. But uh, Bellinger actually got hurt playing first. He was diving for a ground ball, his shoulder, his right shoulder, um, like separated like out from his socket and then like immediately like pop back in, but still like, so they were very cautious about it. He didn't start Saturday. Um, and then he pinched it Sunday, but he struck out on three pitches. So really not much of a presence at all. Those last two days don't know exactly when he's going to be back in the lineup, but I would imagine some point soon this week, but yeah, so it's not, um, it's not the best of news for, you know, the Dodgers certainly didn't need that at this point. Yeah, they mentioned on the broadcast that had it been a night game, he would have started, and had it been maybe August or September, he would have started. So, certainly hope to see him start the next game. Maybe at first, maybe you know, take a little take a little breather from the outfield action. And since they were in San Diego, it's basically like there's no way that game's ever going to be on ESPN. So, uh, for a Sunday night game, so yeah, so he wasn't going to play. But yeah, they played the Braves tonight. By the time this is out, he might have already played. Who knows? But would imagine he's going to be back in there sooner rather than later. Not the only Dodger to be dealing with injury woes, and AJ Pollux is sounding like well, it certainly is a lot worse relative to to Cody's, but it's sounding like it might be not not so good. Yeah, he got hurt. Uh, I think uh, over a week ago, like at Wrigley. And, is that right? Yeah, I think so. And it kind of lingered. It was his elbow, and I guess he had elbow inflammation, is what they were saying. Is um, and he ended up going on the DL earlier this last week. Um, and, and then like a few days into that, uh, it was announced that he was going to go in and have surgery. Uh, and part of the surgery was like to remove hardware from previous elbow surgeries to give you, we, we sort of talked about this when AJ Pollock was signed, like how he's been very like injury prone and, um, he from 2000, what 13 to 18, so a six year span. He averaged 101 games. He only played 150 games once. Uh, so, like you know, you're you kind of know what you're getting there. It's it's not always the same thing. It's, he doesn't necessarily have a chronic uh, issue, although now that he has the elbow thing, he might. But he had surgery in 2016 on his elbow, um, and and that's that's sort of what they're going into correct, and I'm, I'm at par- partially too to re- relieve the inflammation he had so um the it's a very vague timetable right now um hopefully this season is, is like uh, all yeah that's been said. well yeah the only thing dave roberts would commit to is like yeah we expect him to play again this season which is like the <laughs> yeah just the 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 vote of confidence you want to yeah, hear backhanded <laughs> hope yeah so like it's not gonna it doesn't sound like it's it's gonna be like short term uh it's it seems like this is gonna be weeks if not months so that sort of opens up some possibilities for the Dodgers um, in terms of like... Yeah, I think the silver lining is Verdugo. Yeah. Get, like that, <laughs> this happens every year, right? Where there's this playing time problem where, oh, there's this either younger player or player who's kind of de facto not a starter 
heating up, how are we going to get more play time? And it's wait a week and we'll figure it out. Right. And then like Verdugo, um, he is basically like ran with all the chances he's gotten. And he's like, he's hitting very well. He's as of right now, um, 329, 365, 76. He's hitting lefties and righties. So that bodes well for him, like uh, getting playing time. He could play all three outfield positions, and that bodes well for him as well. Um, and he's been playing. Um, uh, Chris Taylor has been starting a lot as well. The Dodgers played a bunch of lefties last week that was that played into it. But I think uh, Verdugo is probably going to be the biggest benefactor from Pollock being out. But <clears throat> at the same time, they kind of do need like, uh, the the you know part of the reason they I mean they traded Puig and Kemp away and that um, sort of uh, left them with without a, cu- a couple of good right-handed bats they had and part of the reason for Pollock it helped balance them a little bit and it helped gave them like a true center fielder um, but the, of all the things Pollock he was not good like he was he's hitting two twenty three two eighty seven three thirty overall not very good but. Um, the one thing he was actually doing well was hitting lefties. He was 10 for 30 against them, uh, 333, 394, 433. So respectable, very productive, like against lefties. So that sort of gives the Dodgers something they need to sort of fill. Um, they're not, they're not, Dodgers aren't doing like bad against lefties. I know they had a problem like partial part of the way last year, but. Like right now, they're they're they actually have a, a 108 uh, WRC plus against lefties, which is not bad. It's it's above average. It's tenth in the majors. So, but compared to against righties, they have a 120 uh, WRC RC plus. So, that's fourth. So, they're still a good offense, but I think they could be even better. And they're just missing Pollock. Sort of um, bites into that a little bit. One of the interesting things you and I during spring training talked a lot about pitcher depth because Dodgers were dealing with a lot of sort of injuries on on that half of the team and the good news for the Dodgers is they had a litany of depth in AAA and in AA and largely had avoided a position player being hurt but I was thinking a couple weeks ago they really don't have a lot of players at that sort of AAA level that they can kind of call up for a cup of coffee Uh, we'll talk about the one they did for a little bit uh, when we get to questions Uh, and it makes sense that the Dodgers then signed a recently designated for assignment Travis Darno from the Mets yeah I was gonna say too like we saw this when Russell Martin went down right like for all the like the talk of the Dodgers having great catching depth and they do even without Grandal like Will Smith and K. Bear Ruiz are like you know a little bit of ways away Will Smith's not on the 40 man so for a short-term thing, they weren't necessarily going to call him up, but I think um, he's much better than Rock, or you know, at least offers more potential than Rocky Gale. And the floor so, can't be much worse, right? So like, like all of a sudden, it's like, oh wow, do we really have catching depth? You know, that's the thing. And um, so they signed Travis Darno. He was released by the Mets on. Uh, Friday, they signed him Sunday, major league deal. So he's like right on the team. Um, And that gives them at the moment, three catchers, but like the way they sort of maneuver guys, like, I think it's just more likely that even, even if he doesn't catch a ton, like he's just another right-handed bat. Like he's been decent throughout his career against righties. I mean, against lefties, not nothing great shakes, but um you know, if you compare it to like catcher or maybe even like a, a regular pinch hitter, he's he's 
you know, pretty decent. So we'll see how they use him. Um, I don't think he's going to necessarily compete for a bunch of playing time with Martin and Barnes, but um, maybe just another right-handed bat off the bench. Uh, he's a local guy. Uh, went to Lakewood High School just right out uh, in Long Beach, I guess, um, or just outside of Long Beach. Um, he had uh, Tommy John surgery last April, um, so he barely played. And then uh, this year he got off to sort of a bad start. He was just two for 23, didn't really play much. And he, like I said, was released by the Mets. Um, he uh, he's, it was interesting. Like he was like a top um, – Pretty like a pretty good top prospect for like a number of years. I think he was on the Baseball America list like a top 100 like five years in a row, you know. And he peaked like he was like a consensus top 25 guy in 2012 and 2013. So huge prospect. He was he was part of the um, trade uh, from the Phillies to the Blue Jays for Roy Halladay, and then a few years later the um, Blue Jays traded him. Uh, with Noah Syndergaard to the Mets for R.A. Dickey. And at the time, um, if I remember right, uh, Darno was the headliner of that deal, not Noah Syndergaard. So um, very interesting sort of minor league deals for him. And then he's just sort of worked his way up. He played a lot with the Mets. Um, he's he's 30. He does have an option remaining, but it's uh, for functional purposes, he really doesn't because he, he has over five years of service time. So... Uh, he could refuse any sort of minor league assignment. So for for all intents and purposes, he's on the major league roster until, you know, they want to, you know, DFA him or something. But for now, another right-handed bat off the bench, and that's probably how they're going to use him. A um, few other – there's a couple other interesting things about him. Um, uh, Bob Guerin, Dodgers bench coach, was with the Mets for a while. Uh, he officiated his wedding. They showed some pictures of that on su- Sunday at the, on the Dodgers broadcast. That was pretty funny. And I, I got to think about this, like um, – Oral Hershiser, a couple years ago, uh, officiated Justin Turner's wedding. And I'm like, I was thinking, like, how – I didn't realize how – I guess, you know. We need a uh, we need a stat, like percentage of major yeah. league jail players married by other major league coaches yeah. and players. Cause I guess, you know, I always, like, assumed it was, like, a priest or, like, some sort of – you have to – there's certainly, like, a license involved or whatever, but I don't think it's that – stringent you don't have to you, no, you have to not. have like schooling or something for it but i just i guess i wasn't aware of how many like uh civilians as it were like uh could marry people and like so i just thought like man i, I wonder how many other baseball people marry baseball people so that that's like that was in my head i was thinking that but i, I don't know it makes sense though you're on the road so often you know half the year you're kind of really really in the in sort of doing the grind so it makes sense that so many of your close relationships are just going to be inside baseball. Yeah, and the other thing about Darno that I sort of like, um, a couple years ago, the Mets were playing the Yankees. This was 2017. And I don't remember the exact injury situation the Mets had, but they were banged up, like, badly. And so they had Darno. Uh, I, I can't remember if he started at second or third base. I think he started at second. But they kept doing this shift, like depending on who was batting right or left or, you know, um, depending on like um, other stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they they switched as Dribble Cabrera and Darno back and forth like a lot. And if you go to this game, uh, I think I tweeted out a picture of his part of the box score uh, from baseball reference. And it's like, you know, you see like a normal box score and it just shows a position and sometimes it's like, 
second base slash shortstop or something. And it like if they play multiple positions for Darno and um, uh, as Drupal Cabrera in this game, it was like second base, third base, second base, third base, second base. <laughs> so, I swear. I think they, I think they switched like 15 times. I want to say, or maybe 12 or something ridiculous. So it's like, it's one of those where it like completely stretches the text and it like it messes up any sort of formatting if you had it, you know, uh, a very weird game. But the funny part about that, he's never played uh, second or third in any other game. <laughs> so like that was his only time at, at not catcher or a DH. So w- what an odd, what an odd quirky game that was. So as you mentioned, probably really clearly and now and then maybe catching duty, pinch hitting duty, right hand bat off the bench. Is there any chance that the, put Austin Barnes at second and Russell Martin the catch knowing that they have a backup catcher sort of in an emergency situation. Sure. Like that's, I think that's more likely in terms of getting creative with those three guys. I know we saw, we've seen Martin play like third and stuff. And I know last year he finally played short and I think he played left for the first time. So like, I'm sure he's itching to get at other positions, but of all the, uh, those three catchers who or the Dodgers are like willing to move around. I think it's more likely you'll see, Barnes at second and they use like Kike in the outfield uh, as they sort of have been on occasion uh, with, especially with Pollock out. The way things have been going, are they going to need elite closer Russell Martin even more? Well, that's true. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, still, uh, still tied for the league lead with his zero ERA. And um, he, like, well, the records show that he was the first, uh, wait, was this, is this right? Uh, Wait, no, I guess it wasn't. I mean, he he I just he wasn't the first Dodger reliever to close out a win, but he closed out a Dodger win before Kenley Jansen this year. So, uh, good good on Martin. And I we're going to talk about Kenley, but real quick, I want you to mention who else Russell Martin is tied with on the ERA league league leading ERA list. Well, you, okay, first of all, you you name your your comp first because I know he's tied with someone that you mentioned when we were weren't recording. Old friend Charlie Culberson. Yep, uh, old Mister uh, Walk Off in Vince Scully's final home game, Charlie Culberson. Yeah, zero ERA. Also with a zero ERA, Dylan Floro, a, few a more real reliever. <laughs> yeah, fifteen innings. He's tied with Ryan Presley of the Astros for most innings with his, uh, of all the zero ERA so far uh, this year. He's been pretty excellent since the Dodgers acquired him last year. Um, and yeah, he sort of continues to do that. He gave up last week. He had a um, he did give up a three-run double. All three runs were inherited, so they weren't his. One of those, like, but like overall, like he's been fine. Like, uh, I think out of, outside of that, I think it was like oh, he stranded like eight of nine inherited runners on the season. So, and batters are hitting almost nothing against him. So, uh, overall, he's been excellent. Um, so good for him. Let's talk about less than excellent bullpen. I don't want to say yeah. bad exactly, but. Joe Ke- do we want to talk about Joe Kelly or is he just basically doing more of the same? Does he look at all better to you before we talk about Kenley? No. Uh, so I have to confess on Saturday, I only saw like, I went back and only saw like after the fact on Saturday, I was at uh podcast-a-thon, the never not funny pod, uh, like sort of annual telethon. Um, uh, it's a podcast with Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap and, uh, it's like 12, 12 to 13 hours of comedy. They have like a bunch of guests and it's a long, long day of comedy. And for the most part, pretty captive audience in there. I had my phone, but I was like only barely checking it. 
during the game, so I wasn't really following along. But I did see I did see a few texts from my brothers suggesting things <laughs> they would want to do to Joe Kelly, <laughs> etc. Um, but uh, yeah, Joe Kelly just updated the numbers: uh, thirteen inning, thirteen and a third innings pitched, twenty three hits, fifteen runs. Not so good. Uh, Ten thirteen ERA. He's he's pitched uh, thirteen games. Eight of those games, um, someone has scored off him, so it's not it's not the best. Uh, he uh, the game Saturday, so he entered with a, what, a three run lead, I guess, in the sixth, and then he faced five batters. He recorded one out, uh, and then pretty soon it was not it was no longer a Dodger lead; it was tied, and then they ended up the Dodgers did up end up winning that game, but. It was a roller coaster, uh, thanks to another sort of, sort of bad, um, bad Joe Kelly outing so far. Yeah, he had a, an outing against the Giants where not only did, were the results much better, but he looked better. Um, the fastball just appeared to have a, a little bit more bite to it, but that certainly could just have been an effect of playing against the Giants. So, yeah, and I think too, like, um, yeah, it was one. I, I was thinking like as as he sort of still struggles, and then. Like they have like Urias and Stripling now in the bullpen. Uh, maybe Joe Kelly would be faced like lower leverage situation than he kind of has, or they just have avoided using him. But that game Saturday, like it was a high leverage situation uh, where he was pitching. So uh, it was I mean, sometimes you just can't avoid it. You know, whoever's available, maybe some people aren't available that day or whatever, but um, it, it was uh, it was not the, not, not the best. All right. We've been delaying it long enough. Let's talk about Kenley. Yep. Um, it's, it's more of the same, I think from last year, uh, last year, like Kenley Jansen for the most part didn't really give up a ton of home runs in his career. Uh, he, he did like occasionally, but, um, you know, last year it was kind of, he kind of allowed them at like double the rate he was normally allowing them. Um, and then it's sort of been the same this year. I think, uh, what was it, last year? Last year he gave up a home run every, like, 22 plate appearances. This year it's one every 18. Uh, he's given up four home runs, uh, 72 better space. So uh, he's looked better, you know, like, than he did the start of last year. But then the home runs continue to be a problem. And that's sort of the glaring, like, uh, fly on the wall. I was looking at, like, his stack cast numbers. Um, it's hard to say. Like, his numbers are still – like really good, although the slugging is, is way up because of the home runs and like his expected numbers are still like pretty good, but not like, not great. Like not like elite reliever. Great. Um, still striking out a bunch of batters, but not like he was at his peak, but that's also fine. He, he's like his, his K, right. He struck out a third of the batters that uh stat cast says that's top 8% of the league. So that's good. I was looking at this, like his barrel percentage this year is like 11%. So of all batted balls, like um, his normal career rate is um, 6.7%. So that's way up. Uh, Like 2016, 2017, when he was kind of at his peak, it was 5.2%, 4.3%. So he's been getting hit harder more often, um, but also still relatively effective. Although the the sort of coup de grace on this was uh, Sunday – Dodgers were going for the sweep in San Diego. They were down four nothing. Uh, came back to lead five four, and it got into the ninth. And then uh, I think it was, if I remember right, traditional single, and then two like bunt singles. The first of which, especially, should have been fielded. I think 
it was like a um, confusion between, um, or I guess the second one, I'm sorry, between Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen. So single, then two bunt singles, bases are loaded with nobody out. Uh, and then uh, Kenley got strikeout, pop out. And then it looked like, you know, hey, he could probably get out of this. Dodgers are nursing a one-run lead. And I think on the second pitch to Hunter Renfro, yeah. he just absolutely crushed the ball. And uh, Grand Slam walk-off uh, Padres wins. So the one, like, sort of funny thing about this, I guess, is I was looking through the, uh, I think it was Getty Images uh, for the game. And there's, like, a couple shots, and I didn't see this on the video, but um, being a Grand Slam, you know, Kenley's like, it's a walk-off win, the term, be, like, you know, teams walking off the field. So the, the pitchers mounted the dugout, Dodgers dugouts on the third base side. Uh, he's, as he's walking off, like, I forgot who was on third. Uh, maybe it was, uh, no, I don't remember who it was, but um, he was on Cosmer, a collision course. What? Yeah, that's, I think that's right. And he was on a collision course with Kenley and they sort of had to avoid each other. So it's like super awkward. Like, hey, I'm celebrating because we won. Oh, sorry, guy. You know, like, <laughs> but it was just kind of this awkward like maneuver. Um, but yeah, so that's that's it's an issue. You just have to watch, um, you know, hope that it, it can, um, you know, uh, improve. But uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, so the, the Dodgers aren't big fans of, of, big splashy free agent signings when they can avoid it. But what if they traded a lot of cash considerations to Craig Kimball for Craig right. Kimball? Is that possible? I, <laughs> if they I, view it as a trade, do they think they'll, they'll do it? I think so. I think, yeah, you, they, they, who do they, but I guess, is it just like, are they trading like his financial advisor? Like who is that? Who are they send the cash to? I like, think so. Yeah, that's a decent transaction. But yeah, like you could. But here, here's the deal about that. Like as with like so many major league teams right now, like let's say Kenley was still Kenley and like at peak Kenley or whatever, um, the Dodgers should probably still sign Craig Kimball because like. But now it's like okay, let's let's just shore this up a little even more. Um, but yeah, so that's that's certainly an option. Um, so as as. Uh, we sort of transitioned into Kenley. I was I, I meant to look this up before, but I, I just did now. Um, so Joe Kelly, I uh, mentioned that he's given up 23 hits and 15 runs. Uh, old, uh, Robert Gesellman on the Mets uh, gave has given up 23 runs and uh, 23 hits, excuse me, in relief this year, tied with Kelly. Uh, only old friend Jesse Chavez, 24 hits, um, and Matt Coach or Matt Cock. I, I uh, sorry, audio. It's weird. But you know, K O C H. Um, he's he has allowed twenty nine hits in relief. Although he's been more of a long reliever, it looks like uh, twenty and two thirds innings compared to just thirteen and a third for Joe Kelly. So um, those are the only two who's given up more hits than him. Uh, Cock has given up uh, twenty one runs. He's the only one who's given up more runs in relief than Joe Kelly. Uh, Mike Wright um, and Jesse Chavez have also given up fifteen runs. So. He has has been among the worst relievers in baseball this year, so that's that's where that's where the Dodgers sort of back into the bullpen's hat right now. Well, we've got a couple of questions from Twitter, but before we get to that, I have a question from you for you. Excuse yeah. me. Yep. It based on our show notes. Why do you like the quality start? Oh yeah. So this came up. Uh, it was just one of those random things. Like I'm watching a game and something interesting. I'll tweet it out. Oh, or some obscure stat or something. And but I. 
I've always sort of liked the quality starts very crude. Um, and it's, I don't, it's not like, um, advanced certainly, but it's like a, it's like a, just a sort of nice little thumbnail, uh, rudimentary sort of, um, like literal, like depiction of quality. And I, I, I agree with it. Um, so the, the term is, or the definition is minimum of six innings pitched and no more than three earned runs. You can get us into, into some sticky situations where I think Rich Hill had this game earlier this year where I believe he allowed five runs, but only one of them was earned. So, and he did, I think he pitched six innings. So I, it was a quality start, but you look at that, you're like, is it really a quality start? But, um, but yeah, so there's some, there's obviously hairy uh, issues, but the, I tweeted out during Clayton Kershaw's start because he's he started four times, and all four times he's pitched a quality start. The starting question on, um, I, I guess this was Friday, um, was the the bare minimum, the six innings, three earned runs. He given up. He had the sort of Randy Wolfian start where uh, he he allowed three runs relatively early. I believe Machado hit him for a two run home run in the first. Uh, he, he gave up a solo shot a little later. Uh, but then he still managed to get through six innings, so sort of gutted it out. And every like I got a lot of pushback on Twitter from this, like, oh, four and a half ERA quality, really? Like, oh, this is disgusting. Like, people <laughs> are like angry. And uh, that, so that's I don't get that, right? Like, that's what I sort of um, balk at usually is is the backlash. But I just wanted to point out because everyone always focuses on the, the bare minimum, which I think is the wrong wrong thing to do here. But just from a conceptual level, I'll say this. Um, in sort of modern baseball, I think having someone go at least six innings, almost no matter how, what they give up. Like, look, sure, someone gives up like seven runs in six innings is not a good start. But just just sometimes you got to get someone to eat innings because we've seen bullpens get taxed all the time. That in itself has value it's good and then if you can get someone who doesn't give up more than three earned runs sure there's unearned runs a lot but on a general level super basic that is giving a team a chance to win the game and i think that is indicative of quality even at the bare minimum level that said if it's all you know it's certainly not all bare minimum um so i did some research so since the start of last year so a full season plus about you know, a fifth of a season right now. Uh, there's quality starts in like 40% of all games. Um, so, and, and, I mean, and 40% of all team games. So, like, every game is like two games. So, the Dodgers and Padres played yesterday. They had two chances at a quality start. Um, when teams have a quality start, um, their winning percentage is 686. That is ridiculously good. <laughs> like, they win over two-thirds of their games. And just to put this in another way, if you look at uh, every other game that didn't have a quality start, teams have a 446 winning percentage. So I just on a base level, that should tell you that getting a quality start vastly improves your chances of winning. But also, so people focus on the bare minimum. But overall, the cumulative ERA of all the quality starts, uh, and there have been 2,374 of them since the beginning of last season through Sunday, uh, what would you guess is the ERA? Uh, I, I'll pose it, pose it to you. What, what would you guess is the ERA for all the quality starts combined? 2.8. It's 1.79. Wow. <laughs> These are dominant games. Like it includes 
every like great game, right? Like, and and the when pitchers like last longer, they did tend to pitch better, and they're lasting longer for a reason, and that sort of skews it. But like, uh, but also the people focus on the minimum. Um, the it's that only accounts for nine percent of the games. Um, so there's like a ton of games that are way better than the minimum requirement, and those are much increase your chances of winning even more. So that's sort of where it comes in. And then also the average quality start over that period uh, is 6.6 innings, which is, you know, just very, very a sliver shy of six and two thirds. The average innings pitch this year in major league baseball for starters is 5.31 last year was 5.36. So you can see the, it's like these advantages right away. So, like I said, it's not the be-all, end-all of stats. I like it as a sort of a quick and dirty, hey, if someone gives you a quality start, they give you a chance to win. That's what I like about it. It's not the best stat, but I, it's not crap either. And that, so, that's, so that's sort of my defense of it. Couple couple Twitter questions for you. For us, I think I can answer some of these, maybe. Absolutely. From my favorite Twitter handle, True for Gainers. <laughs> yep. How do you feel about the post-Matt Beattie era? era? I already missed tweeting bat meaty when he gets a base hit. <laughs> um, so transactionally, when AJ Pollock hit the DL, uh, Matt Beatty was who uh, they called I, uh, up. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, see, gotta, God, gotta train you. Exactly right. Um, so when he went on the injured list, um, they brought up Matt Beatty and um, from AAA. And then when they signed Travis Darno on Sunday, they sent Matt Beatty down. So in between. Um, he pinch hit three times. He didn't play the field. He was two for three. He had a single in his first game. Uh, and then he had an RBI single on, I believe, Saturday. Um, so good for him. Two for three. Already, um, uh, he has the most hits of any player in Belmont history in the majors. Like, uh, There's only been three other players from Belmont University. Yeah, it's in Tennessee. Um and both were pitchers in the seventies, uh, Jerry Bell and Dwight Bernard. But, um, as hitters, uh, Jerry Bell was one for 14. Dwight Bernard was one for five. Matt Beatty in his three at bats matched the totality of Belmont offense, uh, with his two singles. So, and he's the first Belmont player to drive in a run in the major. So good for Matt Beatty. Um, Plays the corners. I think he mixes, has been mixing an outfield, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so one of those guys, they can, if they want as an extra bat occasionally, um, they can bring him up. And then he's also a left-handed hitter. And they, um, he actually, both of his hits were against lefties. So nice little week uh, for him. Uh, it was it was cool. And Scott Lewis wants our guess on when Joe Kelly hits the IL on a mystery injury. Oh, yeah. So this... Um, I guess I, I guess I should have saved the Joe Kelly chunk for this because this is what I sort of had it, but the, you know, this is always the thing like, uh, players going bad. It's like, aha, let, he's going to have plantar fasciitis, you know, or whatever. And then like, they put him on the IL. Um, but I, who knows? Like, look, who, I don't know if that's going to happen or when it might certainly, but, um, I still think ultimately they, they want him to sort of. If there's something like mechanically, maybe I could see it. Like if they're like, let's work on this for a little bit. So let's let's show you show you down, put you on the DL. But uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see it yet. But then again, I don't know what he's necessarily dealing with. By all accounts, he seems physically fine. But yeah. we'll see. 
the Dodgers' tolerance for players like this, it seems like it, it's pretty good into the summer before, you know, if especially if the, if the team is winning, where they're willing to give time to these guys kind of figure themselves out. So I could still see, see something happening, but I would guess closer to the all-star break if and of continued results like this, right, where they're, they're not using him in any high leverage situations, really. He found himself into a sort of medium leverage situation in San Diego, I know, but he's still only pitching every few days. So I see them keeping that up for at least another month before they try anything else. Again, bearing an, either an actual injury. Um, and I don't think it needs, I do say, I will say this. I don't think it has to be an, a, <laughs> an, an injury that maybe someone else might play through that they might use as an excuse of, okay, let's get you really healthy and then work on it. But in terms of actually inventing one, I think he's got another month or so of rope. I think so too. Um, yeah, so I don't. They like like you said, they they've kind of shown that they could like put them on, like not use them necessarily all the time. So use them sparingly, and I think as long as they have the sort of freedom roster wise to do that, I don't think they're going to force anything just yet. So time to wind things down. You don't have a Dodgers rewind for us. I've got some questions from Craig, but you gave me a heads up uh, when I turned the mics off a little bit. You, you're about to ambush me with something. I hope it's good. I just, yeah, I just wanted to mention one thing before we go into question of Craig. Um, uh, Justin Turner did get off the schneid last week, and he hit his first home run of the season, and it was before May. I think it was on the last day of April. So, um, like I said, he was hitting, like his, his batted ball numbers looked better than his actual numbers, so maybe he'll start to heat up now. But, yeah, so he's he no longer has zero home runs, but he does have one, and – you know, the journey of a, a thousand steps starts or a thousand miles starts with a single step or whatever that phrase is. So he's off the schneid. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Questions from Craig. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So the first is a trivia question for you. So I have all the answers. And I was actually thinking if you had a Dodgers Rewind, one of the answers to these two questions, it's a two-parter, uh, would have been someone you did. So maybe next week. Maybe you'll pick nice. one of these. One of these okay. Guys. The first question, with the acquisition of Travis Darno, the Dodgers will likely have at least four catchers who play defense for them in 2019. When was the last time the Dodgers had five catchers who caught in at least one game in a season? Ah. And can you name the catchers? Oh, my God. Okay. I'm not going to lay you. I'll, I'll give you hints as you go along because otherwise we're just doing a bunch of guesses. But Okay, so I was thinking um... – so 2016 was the year that they had um, when they traded AJ Ellis for Chooch, and they already had Grindall, and Barnes was up and down. So that's already four. Mm -hmm. And they did call up Sean Zaraga for that one day in between the trade, but he never played. Um, and I can't think of anyone else who would have caught that year it is before 2016 mm -hmm. so on the oh man you then, have said one of the catchers that i'll give you i'll give you that hint okay so let's assume then is it the miguel olivo year uh it <laughs> is, is he one of the five not okay um okay i'm assuming aj ellis is the one you are that, correct okay um Okay, so at one of his earlier years, maybe when they still had Brad Osmus. Nope. 
so maybe when they didn't, maybe was it a Hector Jimenez year? It was. I believe that was 2010? 2011. It was 11. Okay. So I have to name him. Okay. Um, okay. 12 was AJ Ellis's breakout year. Um, and I believe the year before, the Dodge, he, he had the infamous, like, you're, you're sending down the wrong guy speech with Don Mattingly when he got sent down. And, um, and then he sort of proved himself. Uh, but I believe so. Rod Barajas. That, uh, that one. So you've got three now. You have, you're missing two. Okay. AJL, uh, Rod Barajas. Um, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, who would have been the... Uh, and okay, Russell Martin's already gone. Um, man, this is difficult. one of the names. Very okay. Oh, 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 oh. So, so they they does this when they got Dionor Navarro back? Yep. Okay, so that's four. Um, and honestly, I I don't know who the fifth would be. If you had to ship me a baseball, what what wonderful service would you use? I'm acting like they're a sponsor. That's weird. Uh. Would you use UPS? I would, you, I would probably use UPS. Oh, FedEx. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, swing this. I just said UPS. I tried. To yeah. myself into it. Like, I was like, really all understand what he's talking about when I say it. But then, actually, it was funny. The second one that came to mind was DHL. And I'm like, whose initials are DHL? <laughs> nice. Okay. So, yeah, Tim Fedorovics. Um, the second question. Only once in LA Dodger franchise history has have six players caught in a season. That season was 1976. How many can you name? Okay, so right away you just have to start off with Steve Yeager and Joe Ferguson. Yep. Um, man, Johnny Oates. Nope. Okay. Craig mentions uh, that two others you you might know, and the other two you're not going to guess. Okay. Um, 76, uh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to think here. Um, I'll give you five more seconds. Okay. Well, I, John Hale was not a catcher. I don't think was he? Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm stumped on this. I don't know. Ellie Rodriguez. Ah, of course. Yeah. Ted Sizemore. Yeah. And then the two you he doesn't think you'll know are Kevin Paisley and Sergio Robles. I wouldn't have guessed those two for sure. I had baseball cards of the other two. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't place the year. So that was a good one. Yeah, I liked it. Question the second. I had a calzone last night for dinner, which leads me to this question. Are you two fans of pastry-wrapped savory pies, turnovers, empanadas? And if so, what is your favorite? Uh... I can't say I have them enough. Um, they're not they're not super common here. When I went to Europe for the first time, it was in England, and they are everywhere there, and they are delicious. Yeah, yeah it, I think especially if you have like um, like I'm assuming like a puff pastry type crust is probably the best way to go for that, mm-hmm. or maybe and it's not as thick, but it's crumbly and good. I, I bet that would be amazing. But yeah, I just I can't say I've had it enough to really have a uh, preference or anything. I will say, I just wanted to mention, too, we're doing questions from Craig. I was sitting next to Craig at the aforementioned podcast a on Saturday. Also with us was fellow True Blue LA um, 
commenter uh, FBI hop who flew in from Albuquerque to see it. So we had a fun time. Uh, that was a good show. Craig did not have an empanada as far as I'm, uh, or what did he say, calzone? I think he had a pizza when I was sitting next to him. So he had he had back-to-back nights of that. That's good for him. Real quick, shout out to any any listeners in Portland. Don't know if we have any, but if so, um, it's closed now, but they had a food cart called Withy's, which made fried pies, both sweet and savory. And oh, I think man. that was probably the first time I ever had one. And they made them right in front of you. And the, that is my favorite. Not close. I hope somehow that cart comes back. They just opened up... Um... Porto's Bakery, like literally right down the street from me, oh. and I've never been there. You've and, never been to uh, a Porto's? I have never been. You're from uh, Los Angeles, <laughs> the greater uh, LA area. You are not from... really from Los Angeles. No, no, yeah, no. I know, that's yeah. still shocking to me. So I, at some point, I'm gonna have to make my way down there. I think that's gonna be my best bet in getting one of these uh, delicious concoctions. I don't know if they have them. They must. I always just get... I will make them have them. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably you could probably make your own. Third that's question. True. Continuing from last week, saw a note that Scrabble added 2,800 new words, including OK. Craig just wants to know if we're a fan of these sort of word games. Scrabble, uh, Boggles, Words did, with Friends. Wait, did, they, did he say they add, did they add the, the two-letter OK? They or, did. Uh, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, I, am, I like those games. I uh, haven't played Words with Friends for a long time, which is essentially a Scrabble knockoff, but it's because it's an app on your phone and it's fun. Uh, it was a fun game to play, um, but I haven't played it in a while. But yeah, I do like those. It's sort of a distraction brain puzzle type of a game. I enjoy it. Uh, I haven't. I can't say I play it enough to to be good at. It. I, I I think I like Boggle quite a bit. Um, but but like I said, uh, I just haven't played it enough um, recently. Uh, but yeah, I used to play Boggle, and then the, like they have the Super Boggle, which is just a larger grid. Those are always fun. I remember. Um, my my brother's wife is a teacher, and a couple times we they're in Baltimore, so don't see them as often as I'd like. But a few times we've had family get-togethers, and we ended up playing Boggle or something. And Lisa, my brother's wife's name, she she would like dominate those uh, those sessions of Boggle. It's like, okay, remind me never to play uh, Boggle. There, no, it's it's fun. Yeah, it, it, so she's very good at it. I subscribe to the, and this is sort of a recent. I do a lot of bar trivia, which I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. But try and prove that in my general puzzle trivia knowledge. I've started doing the New York Times crossword. Oh. I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but it it, they, it gets progressively harder throughout the week. And then okay. Sunday is is roughly the same as a Thursday, but it's, it's a lot bigger. That's the Sunday puzzle. And so I can pretty easily and quickly do Mondays and Tuesdays and most of the time Wednesdays. Um, but even on Thursdays, I'm getting stuck. Whereas I have friends who do Saturdays in 15 minutes, and I have wow. no idea. I, a lot of it is practice, where you just learn a lot of three and four letter words that come up a lot. So mm-hmm. once you get those down, it unlocks a lot of the rest. But I also think they're probably just a lot smarter than me. So uh, one day. Uh, so I have the New York Times uh, crossword app on my phone. I didn't pay. I don't do the pay subscription sure. service. So. I just do the little free mini ones, which are very small, but it's more, like I said, it's just more of a brain exercise thing for me. Uh, there's another crossword app that I use. I forgot the name of it, but a little bit longer. And I do, I do like to do that from time to time. I'll dabble in Sudoku. These are just things on my phone. I could grab and like play as I'm waiting mm-hmm. for something. So I do like those type of sort of distraction type games. 
also, I know uh, the New York Times uh, reached out and had like some celebrity people write crosswords. Like they do that occasionally. And I remember Weird Al uh, wrote uh, had a crossword last year in the New York Times, and I believe there were a lot of puns in it. And I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a bit. One across is the other big crossword app that I'm aware of. So that might be it. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it, and this was, I think, the literally the first month or two of the app store existing. But for a long while, that uh, one across would also have access to the Onion's crossword, and the Onion doesn't do a crossword anymore. But the Onion's crossword was probably as hard as maybe a Wednesday New York Times, and wow. was uh, our basically R-rated, irreverent, really, really good, a lot of fun, a lot of you, you, one or two swear words would be found in the crossword <laughs> per week. So I do miss doing that. One might as well earn the explicit tag this week. I just want, it's still one of the, my favorite all time onion headline is the old, when they had the books of the old fake newspaper onions from like, uh, and then it was, it was just war, but it, it the font was so big that it, it was W a dash. And then the R was on the next page, <laughs> <laughs> but then, but there, my, the other headline that um, cracks me up uh, all the time on the onion is, <laughs> Holy fucking shit, we landed on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, they're good. I love it. Fourth question. Three NL teams, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, and the Dodgers, currently have great uh, an 800 OPS or greater as a team. Mm-hmm. Only 17 National League teams after 1956, all oh. between 1995 and 2007, have had an 800 or greater OPS. Can this Dodger team accomplish this feat, too? I mean... Yeah, they're so right now they're like right on the cusp, right? They're um, they're eight hundred one. Uh, their OPS plus is one fourteen. I I think they could be at that level, like roughly for the whole season. So I I think uh, I think they could do it. Uh, they're probably gonna probably fall a little bit short, but uh, I think I think they're good enough. To actually pull that off. If Chris Taylor and Max Muncy's sort of mini resurgences this week hold mm-hmm. or, you know, hold in some degree to where they're not the players that and this is more true for Chris Taylor. Muncy had a, a fine, if not spectacular April. Right. But if they can be something closer to the players they were last year, I feel much more confident that could kind of buoy any sort of regression from, say, Cody Bellinger. Right. And if that's the case, I certainly think they could. I don't know if I would bet that they will, but I think that it's certainly possible. Yeah, Taylor had a nice, um, well, Muncie too, but they both had nice weekends in San Diego. Taylor had the go-ahead home run on Sunday um, that had the Dodgers in the lead before they, they sort of blew to the ninth. But, um, yeah, like they faced five lefties last week, so Taylor played a ton. Like you said, with Pollock out, it frees them up to do some things now. So if he's going to get more playing time, yeah, he needs to hit. But also, just looking at this too, um, we're still at a point where, like, just I'm just reading OPS here only. Uh, Corey Seager's at 686. Justin Turner's at 707. They're the worst Dodgers regulars. So unless you count Chris Taylor as a regular, who's who's below them, but um, so that also needs to improve as well. So, um, but yeah, so that's another reason to sort of think that they could probably pull this off just as just the depth they have. All right. The last question before we sign off on June 1st, which team, either the Rays or the twins are more likely to lead their division. Craig thinks it's the twins. 
Yeah, my my default gut answer is the Twins, only because I was so put off by the Indians offseason that they were like, we're clearly the best in the division. They were trying to dump a pitcher, um, clearly like in dumping salary mode and, and trading some guys. Um, so I think just for spite reasons, I don't want them to, to win. But look, the, the Rays have the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox are still a game under 500. Uh, but the Yankees are and the Yankees are like literally everybody hurt. But they're like two games back of the Rays right now. The Rays are 21 and 12. The Twins are 20 and 12. Uh, those are the two best records in the American League, um, actually in baseball right now. Um, but just given the competition, it's hard to say that Rays can keep this up, or and even they, like they could play better than the Twins uh, between now and June, and then the Yankees could still pass them. So I think that's why I would say the Twins are most likely to still be in front. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with the Twins. No, and I agree. I, I, that said, I would not be surprised if the Rays do end up on top, just given their year, given the Red Sox struggles, and given the Yankees injuries. So, Sure, and like like for the whole season, like look, they won 90 games last year. Uh, and if, if they could sort of keep this up, they, they could potentially make the playoffs, even in a sort of loaded American League. Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely not put it past them. And both of them are good to see when we, you and I were kind of looking at the divisions going into the year. It was, there were a lot of divisions that just weren't hard to see anything but a clear favorite or maybe fit or two, and certainly not a ton of potential for surprise teams. So it's been, it's been a fun year so far. Right. And then like the, the, I guess the National League East is probably the most competitive at least on paper it looked like because they have basically everybody but the marlins like sort of competing um as it stands they're all sort of they're they're kind of a little bit bunched together the phillies are in front right now the nationals like continue to sort of underwhelm they're they're actually 14 and 19 but the dodgers play the braves and the nationals this week they're back to out of division play they play the nl east at home um so that'll be an interesting week that Braves, who they played in the NLDS last year, coming to town, Ronald Acuna Jr. at all. So it should be an exciting week. Well, I think that's all we have. You and uh, Nothing really going on in your and I's life. We're boring. So we'll be here yeah. next week. Right. And uh, I will not have a comedy podcast to go to next weekend. So I will be much fresher uh, next week. But no, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, well, I think we're going to send out a call for some questions next week. Maybe we could do like a more of a mailbag episode. Although, as we say this, like some, probably like three things will happen that'll be like yeah. Clearly, we have a sort of a more about. normal mid-season yeah. day. Maybe maybe we'll even get the main account to tweet it out. Get a lot sure. more questions in that way. Sure thing. But yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.